setting fire to the stoner stereotype, sparking up candid conversations with cannabis researchers, entrepreneurs, and advocates. Educator, author, and advocate Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Please welcome the host of Burning Issues, Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Welcome back to Burning Issues, where we burn away the cannabis myths with science. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine, author of the Oxford University Press book, Understanding Marijuana, The Parent's Guide to Marijuana, and over a hundred other scholarly works on the plant. I also pen the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. A few listeners know my book, Humor 101, so you can imagine my delight about today's guest and Guy Obelum, cannabis comic extraordinaire. We'll also have a new segment on self-compassion and the art of activism. And Guy Obelum is a man of many talents. Every fan of the cannabis plant can recognize the dreadlocked San Francisco native. He's the stellar comic with an amazing wit on display at Doug Benson's Getting Dug with High. His journalistic skills appear all over the web, most recently in a delightful piece on Sprout News. He's a regular part of the tradition at Vivian McPeak's Seattle Hempfest, too. He's also an award-winning juggler and musician. You can catch him in a suit and tie on episodes <laughs> of Cannabis Planet TV. And Guy Obelum, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be here. Man, you make me sound very incredible. I forgot oh, that I'm yeah. an award-winning juggler. That yeah. was like 22 years ago. <laughs> well, I was going to actually start out with that. I think of Greg Dean, a lot of the other stand-ups who also juggle, and wondered if you thought there was any overlap in the skills. Um, well, sure, performance is performance, right? For me, juggling was always just an excuse to get the jokes off. As jugglers go, I'm a really good comedian. And, you know, yeah, of course. I mean... Yeah, performing yeah. is performing. No, I, performing, I performing is performing, right? So, you know, some jugglers are more serious. I've always been rather rather humorously inclined. Uh, even when I'm trying to be serious, people think I'm funny. So, I got to admit, most stand-ups oh, either sort of do a series of jokes or they just give you an oddball point of view, and I feel like you're the Aristotelian golden mean with that. Do you have a certain approach to generating material? Um, weed? No. <laughs> <laughs> Weeds my approach. Generally, my jokes fall under the, I went somewhere and something funny happened, and I really like marijuana and sex. So, I don't know. I I guess it's just a balance of of storytelling, and I've always liked the storytelling comics, right? Richard Pryor, uh, Steve Martin tells good stories. Bill Cosby, even though I don't like to discuss him anymore, he's a gifted storyteller. So, I like stories more than I I like, say, just one-liners or whatnot, which doesn't mean that I don't like a good one-liner because it all goes into the story. Well, and I, I feel it's like... It's weird talking the craft of comedy sometimes, I think. Yeah, it's, it's hard to take it apart without killing it. I know you're right. candid about your own use and your activism in the act. Has that ever led to odd interactions after a show or with the audience or anything? With the audience, generally, no. Sometimes with club owners and club bookers, they're like, all you do is talk about weed. I'm like, well, all that guy does is talk about the fact that he's shitty at relationships, you know, but people are often surprised when I mention on stage that I'm going to be in the parking lot smoking weed after the show. And then I'm in the parking lot smoking weed after the show. They're like, Oh, we thought you were just kidding. I'm like, well, all jokes contain an element of the truth. sir. Exactly. 
So speaking of a comic who's known for that, you've done Doug Benson's show multiple times. Is it as wild as it seems? Oh, yeah, man. It's great. Doug, uh, the, the getting Doug with high is one of my favorite things to do because you just sit around and smoke weed and talk. So I kind of do that anyway. It's like Doug just invited me over to his house or I invited him over to mine. It takes me back to sitting on the couch with nothing to do. So <laughs> nice. And then Brian Posehn actually met our friend Ganja John, who has only one eye and who took his eye yes. out. Yeah. So, you know, who knows what will happen Ganja John's awesome, time. by the way. Oh, he's a wonderful dude. Wonderful dude. Yeah. Yeah. I realize the responsibility to kind of play up that, you know, you use a lot, but you're a responsible adult. And some folks think that the Cheech and Chong style kind of hurts the movement. What do you, what do you think? I disagree. Here's the thing. This kind of gets into when you talk about something like respectability politics or whatever, like, oh, you have to dress nice. You have to be a professional or whatever. I mean, and I do dress nice and I'm a professional, but you know, you're making the movement look bad because I don't know. How does that make the movement look bad? People like to get high. That's one of those things. People like to, to advocate for it. I mean, shit, Foster Brooks played a drunk, even though he didn't drink, whatever. I mean, the thing is the people who hate weed are just going to hate weed. There's nothing you can do. You could wear a suit. You could be the nicest cat. You could have eight PhDs. They're still going to hate marijuana. You know what I'm saying? So you're not really trying to, uh, maybe one day they'll come around, but you, the whole point of America is you have the right to be yourself as long as you're not hurting anyone else. And I try to hold up to that ideal. So be yourself, man. That's my thing. I got to agree. And I do feel like no matter how smart you are, how great your memory is on stage or, you know, how well rehearsed people just can't handle it. If cannabis is the topic sometimes, sometimes, you know, but everybody's got their own, personal thing with it. Maybe somebody had a bad experience with it, or maybe they knew someone who overindulged or used marijuana as an excuse for being a bad person. I always like what Mickey Norris says when she says, quit blaming pot, right? You were an irresponsible person, not because you smoke weed, because you were an irresponsible person, right? You didn't call that guy back, not because you got stones, because you didn't do what you were supposed to do, right? These are, these are the things, right? So if you're an ass, you're just going to be a stoned ass, right? If you're a nice person, you'll be a stoned nice person. So, Marijuana isn't an excuse, is, is where I'm coming from. And it's delightful to think that, in fact, responsible users are everywhere and seem to have a good everywhere time keeping their commitments and making it all go. I know very professional stoners, or professional, not even stoners, but it's like, you know, people who smoke weed socially every once in a while, right? Like some people have a drink every day. Me, I have a drink maybe. Once a week, once a month, I get drunk twice a year, maybe. Some people catch a, a wine buzz every day. Are they irresponsible people? Are they not responsible? Are they drunks or alcoholics? That's not for me to decide. But, you know, as long as you're fulfilling what you're supposed to do, I think you're all right. I couldn't agree more. You also happen to mention... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, listen, you and I talking, it's like the preacher talking to the choir, right? We're <laughs> clearly throwing red meat to the base right now. <laughs> well, I was thinking you also do some stuff about parenting, and I feel like that's yes. a touchy subject. You want to yes. give us the lowdown, well, I mean, I, you know, it was impossible for me to hide marijuana from my kids, right? But I'm also half hippie. And, and I say I know I'm from Northern California because I will smoke marijuana around children, but not tobacco because I don't want them to get the wrong idea or learn any bad habits from me. But, you know, it's just one of those things. Like, you got to teach them. It's like wine or booze where, you know, responsible adults can do it, but there's no reason for kids to do it. My kids know I've had a strict no drugs till college policy, 
since they've been little. Since they're like seven, I've been telling them that, and uh, I think they've they've learned it. And they also, you know, one of those things too. If your dad's a giant stoner, you consider weed kind of an old man thing, right? They they just think it's kind of stupid and dumb and stinky. So, such a riot, uh, which is yeah, right. <laughs> you lay this joint. What are you, my dad? Jesus, <laughs> what is this? Nineteen ninety five. What are you doing? Well, or they think it's grandma. What is smoking blunt? Be real. Uh, or they think What's it's that? grandma's medicine, and so they don't want to touch it. Yeah. Or it's grandma's medicine. That's dad's medicine. That's right. No, that's, that's right. Works for the chronic true. pain. So listen, I and know you're at, at the start of a pretty serious West Coast tour here. Do you want to give us a little bit on how that's going to go? I'm on the Cottonmouth Comedy Tour right now. Actually, it starts tonight, pretty much. It's like a little five-day swing through some small towns and college spots in Oregon to celebrate the 420 week. Kaiser, tonight. And then Eugene for 420, of course. And then Phoenix, Arizona, which is next to Medford. So come on out. That's actually, man, they grow some amazing marijuana in Southern Oregon these days. The Rogue River Valley, the Illinois Valley, smashing it. And I love outdoor more than I love indoor. A well-done outdoor is the best marijuana on God's green earth. So it's always fun to go down to Phoenix, Oregon and hang out with those guys. And then... Longview, Washington, and then Astoria on the coast. So uh, everybody come out. You can get more information. Follow me on the Twitter, N-G-A-I-O-420, or go to ComedySuplex.com. They're the guys producing the tour, so they have more information there. Oh, that's super. Hey, as our friend Vivian McPeak would say, we got to pause for the cause because there are flaws in the laws. We'll be right back with more burning issues more burning issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors Northwest Alternative Health, Eugene's premier medical marijuana clinic, is proud to sponsor the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. Are you prepared for the changes in the recreational and medical marijuana markets? The OMB presents the state's top industry experts, along with over 40 exhibitors, and features a keynote by Dr. Carl Hart. Also, tickets include a celebrity interview and private after-party with the one and only Tommy Chong. Join us Sunday, April 24th at the downtown Eugene Hilton, and be a part of Oregon's fastest-growing industry. Check out OregonMBC.com for more details. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Yo, 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 this is your boy, TJ, Trinidad James. You're listening to Dr. Bina on Cannabis Confidential. L.A., what up? People were so excited to see you supporting our industry, and it's so important to see people who are mainstream, who are out there, that people look up to. That was my first one ever going to, so that was definitely a big deal for me. It's not just, oh man, just come smoke a bunch of joints. It's a lot of science into it. It's way more interesting than a lot of people might think who look down, per se, on what we enjoy. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, welcome back to Burning Issues. 
We're having a delightful time with Ngaio Bilam, the cannabis... Burning issues. I'm, I'm glad there's a show about weed and not about sexually transmitted diseases. <laughs> Speaking of burning, yes. Indeed. Burning issues. <laughs> I, I wanted, Both the words together. I wanted to... Uh, <laughs> Some people yeah. probably get confused. Oh. <laughs> it's like when you Google BBC because you wanted to see the new Doctor Who. <laughs> Well, I was going to ask you about the Cannabis Planet TV days and what that was like putting on the suit and tie. That was actually a great show. I would like to do another one of those, actually. I should probably start a Kickstarter. It was really one of the first cannabis-centric news shows to be on television, syndicated show out of Los Angeles. They showed it in California and a couple other spots. Brad Lane was the producer on that. He was great for that. And I kind of miss that show. Somebody should bring it back and let me be the anchor. That would be great. Brad's a super dude. Now that's great. Brad's you've, pretty cool. You've done at least half a dozen hemp fests, and I was curious if you could talk about <laughs> at least <laughs> this year. This year. Well, I was thinking and about it's the, April. the classic in Seattle and how it's changed over oh, the years. Yeah, man. What a great first of all, what a great event. And think about how much it's done, not just for the cannabis cause, but for the regular people, for the squares in Seattle too, right? I mean, I remember when it first started. I think I went to one of the first ones in 1991, maybe 1990 at Gasworks Park. And, you know, there were a few thousand people and nobody could smoke weed. And then they moved it to Myrtle Edwards Park, which is a great park. And in the first few years there, this is 10, 15 years ago, what would happen was the cops would show up early and then they would arrest a few people right away and scare, put the fear of God in everybody. And then nobody would smoke weed pretty much all day. I mean, a few pockets here and there, but everybody would be worried about arrest. But then as it got bigger and bigger, now, man, it's just a big, beautiful, loving smoking where you get a hundred thousand people. It's amazing the scope and the size and the spectacle of this fest, right? There's seven stages. It's a mile long. There's a hundred thousand people every day smoking weed, having fun, sharing fellowship. I've never seen one fight in 20 years. Think about if you go to an Oktoberfest or some sort of thing. Think about how many fights you see in 20 minutes. And when you come to him fest and it runs well, everything's always on time. And in some ways it's more remarkable than Burning Man, when you think about Burning Man and its giant spectacle and 40,000 people show up and, you know, build a city and it disappear, it's amazing. But they do that for three days in Seattle, right? And it's 100,000 people a day. And they take it all down and they clean it all up, man. Hippies do that, you know. One of the things people should do when you go to Seattle Hunt Fest is stick around the day after and help clean up. Why not? Absolutely. Uh, but everybody does a pretty good job anyway. Right? What's the old Zen saying? When you finish your rice, wash your bowl. <laughs> you got it. Hey, a serious topic. I know you're on the board of the Minority Cannabis Business Association. Can you explain yes. that to the folks? Sounds pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> <laughs> right there in the title, Mitch. I'm afraid it is self-evident, but do you want to riff on it? <laughs> Prima facie, there's a, oh, there's a Latin legal phrase, something that the thing speaks for itself, and I can't remember the phrase right now. Oh, 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 it's repsisiloquitur. All right. I think. I could be close. Yeah, right? I'll take obscure legal phrases for 300 Alex. <laughs> so the Minority Cannabis Association was 
started by a group of business people and entrepreneurs from all over the country. Charlotte Green is on it. John Davis, I think is his last name. Jesse Horton is on the board. Wanda Jones, who owns a club in Colorado. And it's to promote and to help create networking and opportunities for women and people of color. When you think about the disparities, the racial disparities in the war on drugs or the war on some drugs, right, because they're not worn on booze or Oxycontin or whatever. When you think about the racial disparities in arrest rates, right, black people, brown people, four times more likely to be arrested in general for drugs, and they receive longer sentences for the same amount of drugs, even though black people and white people do drugs at about the same rate. I think white people actually do drugs a little more, which does not surprise me. And when you look at this new business model coming out, everybody's jumping in to get on this green rush, this billion-dollar industry, most of the cats you meet at these business mixers and most of the cats showing up with some money trying to get involved, they're all white dudes. And white dudes are hella cool. Don't give me, you know, don't get it twisted. Some of my, cool, some of my oldest friends are white dudes. But <laughs> I don't think it's fair for the people who were most disadvantaged by this war to be left out of the new opportunities, right? Like my boy Mike Sinclair says, it's kind of fucked up to be in a jail cell for selling drugs now that weed is legal, right? Like, what are you in jail for? Bad timing. That's what I'm in jail for. Exactly. And so we're, we're looking to create more opportunities to make sure more minority entrepreneurs can get involved. We're going to do some job fairs. We're going to work on creating some scholarships and some entrepreneur activities. And I think I'm actually going to open my own black-owned concentrates business. We're going to call it Black Lives Shatter. All right. <laughs> So listen, I'm going to pledge right here a $100 donation to the Minority Cannabis <laughs> Business Association. And, hey, that's uh, fantastic. You can go to minoritycannabis.org. We're having a big launch tomorrow. So, I mean, it's open to anybody can join. It's not just, you know, everybody can get in. So, man, I really, I really, really appreciate that. Thank uh, you. If you guys even take the Jews, I'm really touched. So, Well, we have more than one Jew on the board, actually. <laughs> exactly. So it's all good. Hey, right? I realize the comedy. We, we love the Jews. <laughs> you know my kids are from the tribe indeed indeed i realized the comedy rules my daughter's bat mitzvah it was awesome go ahead now you have a question my daughter just had hers too it was great i just wanted no, to say great. is it the same in the in the comedy world i mean i realize there are special you know nights devoted for minority comics at some of the clubs in la but just wondered if you feel like it's rough for people of color in that field as well well, I, you know, for the longest time, there are like two different comedy worlds, right? There's like black comedy and then, you know, quote unquote, urban comedy, I think is the the accepted buzzword these days when you're trying to say black, but you don't want to. And then, quote unquote, mainstream or underground comedy. I mean, I don't know, man. I just show up and tell jokes. This is the reason I don't live in L.A. It's like I try to get involved in all that, whatever. But I just really, I just like to travel around and tell jokes. So this is what's up. I, I get how some people only like a specific genre of something. So they like urban comedy or they like nerd comedy or they like quote unquote alternative comedy or they like just straight up club style comedy. Me, I always like to have a mix. I like to have a variety. When I produce a show, as long as you're funny, you got a shot, whether you're a juggler or an urban comic or a Chinese nerd or a transsexual who's still queer, whatever your gig is, as long as you're funny about it, because that's the beauty of comedy is you get to meet all these different worlds to me. So yeah, that's my point. I really get it. I really appreciate it. I, <laughs> I tend to ramble. I think there was hash in that morning bowl. 
the waking and bacon is all part of the process. I know mm, you've done bacon. a ton for uh, Americans for Safe Access, and I just wondered if you'd want yes. to let, let folks know about them. I love those guys. Americans for Safe Access was founded to ensure that medical cannabis patients have access to marijuana. And I think that's very important. One of the things we, I think one of the things we, we seem to forget, especially in the last year or two with this big rush toward money, money, money. And I get it because this is America. Capitalism when done right and regulated appropriately can be the shit. But one of the things we keep forgetting is the social justice aspect, right? Really the whole point of marijuana legalization one is to keep people out of jail because going to jail for weed is bullshit. And two, to help people who need this medicine to help them be better. Marijuana helps with a variety of things. I mean, I don't have to tell you, you're Dr. Earlywine. You've written like a trillion books. Clinton Warner's got a book, Marijuana Gateway to Health, that's, or Gateway to Great Way to Health is good too. Maybe that'll be the sequel. Gateway to Health. <laughs> Clint is a total delight, a wonderful dude. Yeah, he's a wonderful dude. He's great. Deadhead too. And he knows a lot of song lyrics. So, Americans for Safe Access is a nationwide organization devoted to helping patients. And I think that that's important. And we have to remember to put patients first. I mean, they're already having problems in Washington because, you know, the legislature only sees money. So they're trying to get rid of the medical program just in favor of everybody doing the recreational program because that creates more tax revenue. Right. right. The rules are stricter. I'm afraid we have to wrap it up. Are we up against it? Oh, man. All right. Cool. A delightful we'll have to do it again. Iobelum, cannabis comic extraordinaire. And yeah, put in a good word for me with Doug and tell all your friends to go see and Guy Obelum on that West Coast tour. We'll hey, thanks right a lot, man. I really appreciate it. Sure thing. Hey, thank you. Thank you, brother. Take care. More burning issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. Dr. Dagger, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Keith Strop, the founder of Normal, is here. The single most important victory will be California. We've got Steve D'Angelo. Well, the state of cannabis affairs in California is in flux. The guru of ganja, Ed Rosenthal. It's uh, better for people to be using concentrates. Weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. 
Hey, welcome back to Burning Issues. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine with our next chapter of Self-Compassion in the Art of Activism. Here's the part of our show that encourages all our listeners to take good care of themselves and each other. We gotta hang together in the Cannabis Crusade. Hey, one listener recently emailed with questions about flow. Flow is that feeling of complete focus. It's when you're so absorbed in a task that it's almost as if you're a part of it. It's that content series of moments when the inner chatter of your mind is barely a whisper. Flow can happen with almost any task, sports, games, artistic endeavors, and even work. Many a ball player can recall those moments when time slowed to a standstill, and hey, that's the big idea. Spacing out in front of the tube wouldn't qualify, but disappearing into anything from running to needlepoint definitely can qualify. Mahai Cheksamahai was the first person to use the word flow to describe this experience. Of course, the experience itself has been around as long as we humans have. He did the initial work with artists and painters. Flow usually occurs when you're doing a task that's just a little challenging. There's a balance between your skills and the skills required for the task. Staying challenged keeps you from being bored, but if it's too difficult, you get frustrated. It's in that Goldilocks balance that's just right. It takes effort and concentration, but somehow feels effortless and relaxed. There's always delight and euphoria, but you're not even thinking about that because you're too busy enjoying it. We've talked before about mindfulness, and flow certainly has that component. It's not that you're zoned out on automatic pilot. Instead, you're attentive, focused, calm, into it, but challenged. Folks in flow say that they're at one with the task at hand. Baseball players in flow might describe the bat as an extension of their hands, and they say that they were in the zone. Musicians in flow often claim that each note just comes to them one right after another, and they say they're in the groove. Call it the groove, call it the zone if you like. The flow experience usually reveals a sense of control and confidence, but without thoughts about a sense of control and confidence. Yep, that's flow. The thinking while not thinking. Well, if it's supposed to be so fun, how do we get there? Some researchers think it can't be taught, but you know, I'll try to teach anything. So when you know what it is, you'll recognize it when you see it, and just by keeping an eye out for it, you'll experience flow more often. Perhaps we can't spend every minute of every day in flow, but a few strategies can help. First and foremost, focus. Something about paying attention is the first step toward quietly quieting that chatter in your head and getting the flow state going. In addition, practice. Talk about an addictive activity. If you've gotten into flow by doing a particular thing, by all means, do it again. Then, set goals that are just a little out of reach. Something about striving for the possible seems to make flow happen in interesting ways. If the goal's too easy, there's no challenge and no flow. If it's too hard, it just gets vexing. So just raise the achievement a little at a time. It'll probably come surprisingly quickly. Focus, practice, and set reasonable goals. Hey, then, even if you don't reach flow, at least you know you're spending your time wisely. 
Will flow increase your happiness? Perhaps. But you won't know. You'll be too busy enjoying what you're doing. Thanks so much for listening to Burning Issues. Please ask your friends to catch us on iHeartRadio or iTunes. My continued gratitude to all the production wizards at CannabisRadio.com and a special thanks to today's guest, comedian and guy Obelum. Please join us again soon. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Follow your heart and let the data be your guide. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.